The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber, live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. And now we wait. Future steady as we uh, count down to the Fed decision and press conference this afternoon. Plenty to watch in the meantime as Delta raises guidance and we track the continued collapse of FTX. Our roadmap begins with decision day for the Fed. Many investors hoping for the beginning of some slower rate hikes. Plus, Tesla shares extend what have been significant losses recently. Goldman Sachs cuts its price target on the stock as investors continue to express concerns about Elon Musk's focus on Twitter. Huh. And it's another day on Capitol Hill. We'll have more hearings on FTX after its new CEO, new CEO told lawyers yesterday that the company engaged in old-fashioned embezzlement under Sam Bankman-Fried. As we said, futures are muted this morning as investors await the Fed's latest interest rate hike decision in its effort to crush inflation. Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell will speak at 2.30 Eastern, giving further clues about the road ahead for 2023. Jim, one uh, topic of discussion today is a duration. Duration of how long they hold. Well, look, I think you can do that. I think that one of the things that's going to happen is tomorrow we're going to come in and we're going to say, what now? And it's like, well, nothing. We're okay. I mean, maybe he says something that is uh, harsher about wages. I think you do that. But this is it between now and uh, uh, the holidays. And, David, you know, if there's nothing to trade off of other than um, the attire of Sam Bankman-Fried, I mean, we don't have any. You know this is the last day that we have something of any significance. Yeah, there will be news will be harder to come by. That's it. In these next couple of weeks. Well, are you saying never short a dull market? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that unless we've got someone who comes on air and says they know something that we didn't know, uh, you might have you might be doing OK here. I mean, we don't have any if nothing said this market has a benign feel to it, especially because like we are starting to see even the enterprise software, which I've regarded as the Achilles heel. Some say Achilles. That's wrong. The Achilles heel of this market. <laughs> has been the enterprise software, which all the guys love. I mean, I was reading Sequoia the other night. Hey, interesting bio of Sam Bankman-Fried there. Mm. Yeah, I got I can send you the link. Right. But. but so you're not, you weren't discouraged by the failure to punch through 41. No, no, I hated that because apparently, oh, by the way, there's people who say that they had the number ahead of time. The CPI is not the issue. The PPI is not the issue. It's what's keeping the CPI up. Yeah, Which but we is start, we what, went what I'm talking. I, you know, oh, really? <laughs> Interrupting somebody while they're talking on our show. Let me think about that for a second. Okay. Um, we were up 3% yesterday, and we ended up barely. Well, what, because what, what, what kind of price? Not, a, the price action yesterday doesn't well, say there, something to you that perhaps is. Yeah, there's stu- really stupid people who pay up. <laughs> they look at the S&P. They don't realize that two-thirds of the S&P is actually not positive based on that number. But they don't care because it's the S&P. They think that they're, you know, powerhouses, masters of the universe. Was it just algorith- algorithmic trading no, early no, it's on? No, no, really stupid people, too. It's really, so, okay, so it's listen. really stupid listen people. Listen to me. Have you in your life not met really stupid? You were a Jeopardy host. 
Yes. Were there not, other than Matt from New Haven, were great. there not people who you marveled at how stupid they were? They may be the future traders. I mean, David probably saw 100 people who were stupid as, as plywood. Jim, we, we were moving up nicely for the first hour, hour and a half. You're just saying that that was, that was a result they of stupid nothing. people? Well, because you try to look at the stocks in the S&P that were up, and you don't have a story for them being up. Okay. I mean, healthcare was weaker yesterday other than Moderna. We okay. take a look. I, I mentioned it in part because does it give us a roadmap at all for today's trading with the Fed? Well, some clown may jump again because there's just people who want to do it. I think that the uh, – you know what? Okay, so let's just – let's run the tape back, Bullwinkle. The 2 o'clock statement last time, it's really – oh, he's going to be a dove. I mean, what is that? They got the bird completely yeah. wrong. Yep. Ornithologists. I mean – he wasn't even, he was like a red-tailed hawk, the ones that could see mice from like miles away. He wasn't just a hawk. But, you know, they, people read the, they read the 2 o'clock, and right. they made a judgment. And then the press conference happened, right. and things reversed entirely. Right. Yep. I mean, you know, like, sometimes when you're with your kids, and their judgment's poor, and you have to correct their judgment, okay? Well, that's like the people, too. They're children. It's a, it's a good piece of advice as we wait today. Well, I just think we put too much weight on people who make moves who don't know what they're doing. I mean, the S&P 500, which is made up, by the way, of 500 stocks. The S&P 500 has a lot of stocks in it that do poorly if there's a pullback in inflation. Uh, all the enterprise software companies, they need inflation. I mean, some of them were rescued yesterday because the unstoppable MongoDB, which is back today by a data dog upgrade. Yes. So it's just, it's just time to recommend stuff that we all hate. But I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying? That the S&P... It should not. It's too hard to buy a future based okay. on a CPI number when many it. of the companies I don't do well in a higher, in a lower CPI environment. Right. They need price increases. That said, Jim, for the longer term, the chorus that I continue to hear from asset allocators, and particularly the hedge fund guys that I tend to speak to, is not a positive one for next year. There's so I many. I know I you do, but there are so many out there who just think next year is going to be an equally difficult year. Why? We're going to because we're going to get to close to five percent. The terminal rate is going to be there for and quite then, some period the of time. Going to start. We're not going to budge off of it, and it's going to be a challenging year. Okay, so America has yet to fully. We're going to have a recession. Maybe right. it will be soft, I, but nonetheless, I go and I look at the companies that make up the index. I had a fellow by the name of David Gibbs on last night. Now, he's young. From Yum Brands. That's Pizza yep. Hut. Yep. Okay. That's KFC. It's Taco Bell. Also Habit Burger. But we'll leave that aside. He said to me that after many months, he now can fill all the jobs. That people want the jobs. There's more people wanting the jobs at Yum than there are jobs. And managers aren't leaving anymore. Now, Yum is not a tiny company. No, it's a. So it's what does that say to you? It says that the labor is starting to ease, and that's the POW victory. That's interesting. They did have, they were going on a bit of offense yesterday, talking about unit growth, uh, taking on breakfast, day part, right? Saying, uh, why, should, why shouldn't we have as many units as some of our bigger putting peers? Putting up a couple units every, you know, every couple hours and putting up a unit. And I just think that this is a demonstrable different market where they have, don't have labor problems. You think and that matters? You put Delta in that box today on this uh, new guide? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that we're starting one by one to see companies that have no problems that are not like the old days. People come back. 
Wages are the issue with Powell. You've been saying that all along. Okay, but Funk now extend the argument to rebutting what I was telling you I hear from not all, but many people who continue to be negative on the market. But maybe these are people who are Warner Brothers Discovery. Well, listen, many of them don't have great performance. It's absolutely true. And many of them have gotten it to a wrong, but they're not willing to commit cash to this market as yet because they think next year is going to be equally difficult. Okay, so by this point next year, do you not think everyone will have had COVID in China? All right, but I'll make an argument that says China opening up is potentially inflationary, right? Well, it's commodity inflationary. It could be wage pressure. Wage pressure. Look, the, if I look, I don't think him. I don't think he's going to say anything soft today. That doesn't help him. Right. But I just think that we have to be. Wages are everything. So ask every CEO that comes on. Is it? Can you still not find people? And when you have a guy who has, I mean, look, it's not like when you work at Taco Bell. It's like working in. It's not Google. But wait till Google, someone said to you, Google doesn't have to rationalize and they're not going to rationalize their table of employment. That's a great setup for a 10% move in Google tomorrow when Google does it. These places have too many people. Peach has already been plain. We got to get 20% more I, efficient. I know. Yeah. I know. Hey, by the way, if you fire everyone at Twitter, is it better? If everyone goes, <laughs> stop paying rent, stop doing everything. Well, I mean, he, we'll, we'll know the answer. Well, yeah, I mean, but think about it. If nobody paying, works there, if rent. nobody works there and they're it continues to work, on the building, but if nobody works to there and continues reports. to work, isn't Musk right? Well, the Musk, and we're going to talk about Tesla in a moment, but the Musk experiment at Twitter is being watched closely because, Jim, there is an argument that if he's successful in terms of cutting that many people, what does it say for every other software company? And yeah. by the way, Twitter okay. has more needs that are outside of the typical software company, so to right. speak, because of trust and safety, because of so many other things. But if he's successful in that, well, this does that say that your, your friend, Mr. Benioff, should be cutting half its staff well, at I CRM? I don't, I don't think half, but I think that there's, there's probably too many people. I mean, Twitter is a, a, maybe a one-off thing, and that the people he's firing, many of them, oh, by the way, some of the people he's firing, people he brought in, I, 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 I go as far to say that he's demonstrating some erratic behavior. Well, it's, uh, it's one reason for uh, this chorus of investors in Tesla this morning expressing some frustration with uh, Musk's role at Twitter growing louder. Gary Black, managing partner of the Future Fund, owns roughly $50 million worth of Tesla, tweets Monday, uh, there is no Tesla CEO today. He followed up with, I have the utmost respect for Elon Musk as a manager, leader, and visionary. Just wish he'd hire someone to fix Twitter and focus on Tesla as CEO. Musk trying to address those concerns, tweeting Tesla will be great long term, but doesn't control macroeconomic tides. Later adding, I will make sure Tesla shareholders benefit from Twitter long term. Tesla stock down. Actually, the drawdown, Jim, 60, almost 61 percent. That's going to be the biggest in history. I know. And Gary Black is a very serious manager and he's always a very serious analyst. So, I mean, he's not a guy. He's a guy, David, he's not what I would call a Yahoo. No, not at all. He's really not at all. Uh, And his his concerns are obviously echoed by many others. Listen, I mean, you can make an argument that both the Tesla and SpaceX, there's a product roadmap that they're on and that whether Elon is in the building or not is not going to impact the plan that they have. At the same time, we've talked a great deal about the distraction this is introducing. But, guys, you know, I also wonder about whether he's ostracizing certain potential Tesla customers with his continued tweets and statements well, about, coming, you know, as the, I mean, why would you, 
why would you try to ostracize any of your potential well, customers? Well, about Twitter? I mean, there are people who wanted to put ads with Twitter who are now like thinking, geez, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is not a good idea. Uh, I, look, I was speaking with someone late, late last night who just said, why aren't you more focused on, on the crumbling aspects of this man? And I said, because I, I've had too much faith in him, but maybe, maybe it's too late to be as faithful. Well, today, Morgan Stanley um, says the brakes are screeching on EV demand, and Jonas revises down his long-term EV penetration forecast for fiscal year 30. At the same time, Jim, he does make Tesla a top pick for next year because, in his words, they're the only company able to sell EVs at ice-like margins. Well, look, let's just get... Can we just get Farley on the phone, please? Because Farley would tell you that's from Ford, totally untrue. Total, now, now I, I, Adam Jonas has t- erratic, no, thematic, but the idea that you can say this and, and, and Farley could call right now and tell you this is completely untrue is bothersome to me. Uh, right. Ford just added a third shift as of yesterday yeah. on their F-150. Mo- uh, motor trend car. Yeah. Uh, truck, truck of the year. year. I mean, but you, when you speak to, uh, over and over again, Jim has said, We're making a lot of money per everything we make. Now, why is that ignored by Mr. I had a sell on Ford the whole time, Jonas? Now, it did go up to 23, and he reiterated his sell at every step, and he went went hold, but I just think that it's unfair. It also goes to the larger argument that there is more competition, that competition is building every day, and that's going to make the world a bit of a different place for Tesla. The number of Um, of cars and trucks that Farley's talking about building, I mean, he's talking about 500,000. Mary Barra? All right. That said, I mean, we got Goldman what? Sachs, which is um, lowering its estimates in terms of um, how many vehicle deliveries Tesla will have. 420,000 in the fourth quarter. 440,000 had been the Did prior you see they estimate. Lowered one of all and 1.85 million units in 2023 right. from 1.95. Right. I know that's more, but you see they lowered the boom one. Yeah, they go. They were at 305. They go to 235. But, right. but, Is it a new? PE-based target? I wasn't clear. No, yeah. no, but uh, one of David's absolute favorites just gets savaged in that report. QuantumScape, oh. 8 to 5. QuantumScape. <laughs> <laughs> you I, put him on the map and then you we, took him off I the map. Him we had an interview with him two and a half years ago. I think you oh, and I were. and you took It was back part. when we were 40 feet away from each other in a headquarters in Englewood. We were trying to give each other COVID. They wouldn't let us. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I yeah. do one interview with the guy, and he's my guy forever. Oh, you should, oh he's yeah, your guy. That's it. You'll he's never your guy. Be, yeah. And I got to tell you, that P, you know, 8 to 5. I remember I was on a fireside chat. With Jonas. And I think he really had a fire behind him. And he had Jagdeep. Jagdeep Singh on From Quantum Scale. And it right. was one of those where he just said, I think this is going to be huge and terrible. <laughs> you know what Jonas does that kind of stuff? I mean, what do you think Taylor Swift does? Jonas Swift. You tweeted that. Was Which it one? Day yesterday. What, 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 what? what? Uh, National Hot Lincoln. What's her name? Uh, Swift. Swift. Taylor, Taylor Swift? Swift. The yeah, singer? Lincoln Swift. You know, I'm talking about people who have no enemies. Taylor Swift Taylor can Swift do no has wrong. no enemy. She has no enemy. No natural yep. enemy. She's like, I don't know. She's like the deer. Yep. Now. No, you boom, you man, the no, wolves. Yeah. Well, yeah, during hunting season. A birthday girl yesterday. But indeed. can you, you know, she is, I mean, she would be a strong buy by every single firm. <laughs> every firm. And your point is, I'm sorry, I lost the track here. 
I had no track. Yeah, There's no track. Right. There is I just no wanted track. To make sure. Every so often, I like to make sure if everybody understands that he has there no idea no where he is either. Okay. When we return, Senate banking this time preparing to dig into the collapse of FTX on Capitol Hill. We'll get into that, obviously, after a lot of news yesterday. Futures uh, in a range this morning as we await uh, the presser and the statement later this afternoon. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. FTX in focus again on Capitol Hill this morning, this time at Senate Banking, holding a hearing on why the FTX bubble burst and the harm to consumers. Yesterday, FTX's new CEO, John Ray, testified before House Financial Services. He said FTX committed, quote, old-fashioned embezzlement. Enron was, a, you know, is a, is a really a, a, a different company. Uh, you know, was a, the, the crimes that were committed there were uh, highly uh, orchestrated uh, financial machinations uh, by highly sophisticated people uh, to keep, you know, transactions off balance sheets. Uh, you know, the, this is really old-fashioned embezzlement. This is just taking money from customers and using it for your own purpose. Not sophisticated at all. Uh, sophisticated, perhaps, in the way uh, they were able to sort of hide it from people. Uh, uh, frankly, right in front of their eyes. Uh, meantime, Bankman Freed uh, denied bail as a flight risk, Jim, and remanded to jail until February. No, this is, they're approaching this, I think, we will have to admit, with, with some real seriousness. Uh, that gentleman was just fantastic. I thought he was great because when you say that it's just embezzlement, it's right in front. What that says is, look out, there could be others that are like that. Yeah. I agree with you. Listening to Mr. Ray yesterday it was surprising, actually, how compelling it was. Um, and it, it, I think I'm not alone in thinking these well-known venture capital firms or firms that made investments in FTX, significant equity investments, what were they doing well, in terms of there was no... You have an investment committee. Nobody asked for any form of credibility in terms of all right, can we see some numbers, pieces of paper? Can we, where was the due diligence he, he for a worked. firm that was using QuickBooks and Slack as its form of, of accounting for financial? I, I understand that. I found that at my uh, 18 table bar, Quick, QuickBooks was often inadequate because it didn't, you know, you gotta get the correct numbers. So I get that it might not have been good for a $34 billion outfit. But I, I, I have to tell you, David, if you go back and read the Sequoia piece, and I, I happen to like Sequoia. Yes. 
it, one of the investors. It does make you sound like it's, it's no longer on this. I'll send you the link if you'd okay. like. But I wanted to invest with him after I read it. I mean, because it's just he was the brightest star on the horizon. It just makes you wonder what level, if any, due diligence, given what Mr. Ray was saying about the internal controls of the company, what was being asked by there, these VCs? Nothing. I think no, nothing. You were lucky to it get was in, David. It fair, wasn't like It was that. fear of missing it. You were lucky. It was, and you know, it just you makes in. you wonder how much just a, you know, 0% interest rates, cheap money, beta and momentum was all that's, all this was about well, for was. that two years, three that's years. That's all it was. It's just all part and parcel of the roaring 20, 20s. But when I read Sequoia, I said, geez, I'd like to, maybe I can still give money to this guy. Maybe it's not too late. That's how great it's happening. Mean, did they have an investment committee meeting and say, all right, what do the financials look like? Do we have any audited financials? He worked at Chain Street, David. It was the best there was. There was nothing. It's like getting the guy from the, from Oxford who was top of his class, Chain Street. You don't ask questions. <laughs> you just give it to him. Just give him the money. Yeah. That, yep. no, this is what happened. I'm not, you know, people are like thinking I'm joking around. No. No, it's true. Raise money him the money. money. talk about the lack of controls all day long. Yeah. yeah. See that guy's shorts? Give him the money. Quick He's got to be a genius. QuickBooks Look is at better. those shorts. You know, QuickBooks is better than by hand. I found that. We'll get the opening bell here in about eight minutes. Take a look at futures here. Uh, Ten-year, three, five, one. And uh, the dollar still hovering close to a six-month low. Don't go away. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Well, coming up, we're going to have Jim's Mad Dash, of course. We'll count you down to an opening bell that is about five and a half minutes away. We're back in two. All right, let's get a Mad Dash, and then, of course, we'll have an opening bell a little more than two minutes from now. Caterpillar's a name you enjoy talking about. Very much so. By the way, Allison Transmissions ring the bell. That's one that's going to be mentioned in a second when I talk to you. I, I mentioned you earlier that I'm not as bare 2023. And one of the reasons is because, and this is a nice piece named Morgan Stanley, 2023 outlook, don't discount industrial resiliency. And I'm looking at Caterpillar. I'm looking at that chart. This is when Jim Umpleby came in and decided he's going to change the strategy. He's going to return money to shareholders, not unlike what the oil companies have done. And look at this. This is a company that you short at your own peril. This is a company that typically in a recession, you just put it out there every, every two points, you sell 100,000 shares. No, not this time. And I think this piece, which raises price target, but much too negative. I mean, 174 goes to 190. I mean, it's 235. This is, this is the industrial renaissance that we've been waiting, aided by the fact that President Biden has put through money that anybody can get some, like a plug power. Even. There's no. Well, the infrastructure bill would seem to be helpful. Right. And then. Right. And then the IRA. The IRA uh, as well. Which is going to reduce the debt substantially. Oh. Oh, sorry. It's really a climate control bill. But yes. I think the Caterpillar not is so named. undervalued here. And this piece confirms it. The analysts are going to have to be- play catch up with one of the great industrials of the world. And don't forget, by the way, these, all this money, this infrastructure money, ain't going to Komatsu. It's not. No. You're not going to see Komatsu on the back of those uh-uh. earth movers. Made no. in America. Made in America. And so I think Caterpillar's principal beneficiary 
and people are ignoring it, and they're ignoring right in this plane is the nose in your face, whatever you said, the embezzlement comment. I think this is it. Okay. And I think Uncle B's going to be a hero. Let's get to the opening bell here this morning in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board, it is Allison Transmission celebrating its 10th listing anniversary. And at the NASDAQ, Precision Optics, maker of advanced optical instruments. So, Jim, we can go plenty of places this morning. Allison's a good example. I mean, they, Allison Transmission, they have a giant plant in Mexico near me 24-7. I mean, these guys have more business, and no one talks about them because they all want to talk about Datadog and Viva, and they want to talk about immediate stuff. Everybody wants to talk about enterprise software. Real companies. 2023 should be the year of real companies that make things, not enterprise software, not companies that analyze data and then <laughs> analyze it again, then send it to Snowflake for more analysis. <laughs> Jim's referring to this Oppenheimer upgrade of Datadog. They go to outperform Target 105. You don't like the call? No, I just don't like the group. The group is just, it's so tired out. We're, we're t- unless you're making the big pivot, unless you're doing the pivot, I mean, Mongo did do the pivot, but unless you're doing the pivot, which says, you know what? And, and, and this was started by, uh, this, this really was started by Palo Alto, by Nick Hester, where he said, you know what? We're gonna give people growth, but we're also gonna make money. And if you are not in that camp, MongoDB is, then you, I can't like you because you're just going to fall apart on me. And by the way, FinTech, I mean, I, fin, David, FinTech, kiss of death. FinTech. 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 Yes. Uh, buy now, pay later also. But, yeah, buy now, pay later. There's an idea. Remember like Jamie Dimon, whom I love. Remember Jamie Thomas, they talk about how they, like, well, they have buy now, pay later. See, they've had that for, like, since J.P. Morgan. Uh, now, Affirm is a company that uses yes. Upstart. I know Upstart. Son, I have a good name for it. Klarna. You're going to love it. Klarna. Well, a Stripe. You know, how about Square? People like Square. Now, why? 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 <laughs> why like Square? I mean, what, I mean, I think the analysts should put out pieces and they I, say, I, this stock I, is not liked right now, but we'll come back later when it's liked. I mean, um, how about that? How about that? I, guys, you know? I, I got to get to a, a, an evolving story in the market in terms of at least the Argentina? Uh, price loss. No, charter, charter communications and an impact on our parent company, Comcast. Oh, you're going to go uh, there. Comcast, man, we're just starting to get a little momentum. Uh, there's been a couple of bullish then, calls this week. I know, what but a buzz Carl, as you know, Charter held an analyst meeting. It's first with its new CEO, Chris Winfrey. He's only been in the job as the president and CEO for a couple of weeks, taking over, of course, for, met him for, for Tom Rutledge. I have not yet met Mr. Winfrey, Tom Rutledge, after that storied career, stepping down. Um, yeah, an analyst meeting yesterday at Charter. Take a look at the stock. You see what it's doing at Comcast because it does seem to simply be related to that. But Charter's getting crushed. Why? Well, they're going to spend a lot more in CapEx than had been anticipated. Um, got kind of mixed, mixed res, uh, reactions from the analyst community. Let me share Goldman Sachs because they may give you a sense at least as to why there's such a negative reaction. Uh, Charter's CapEx over the next few years, 2023 to 2025, uh, may nonetheless, they say, be higher than investors uh, had expected, driven by increased investment in footprint expansion. I'm reading here from something we had prepared, but unfortunately doesn't seem to be appearing. Um, what do you mean? 
meaning that I had this written out so that our viewers could follow along with oh, us. All right. But they're not. Okay. Um, no, but go ahead, because this is really He went important. on to say, char the cat thank you, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I'm at the bottom here. Charter having only um, CapEx guidance for 22 and 23, investors may remain uncertain as to how much CapEx to model for 2024 and 25, and therefore lack clarity on the medium-term outlook for buybacks, free cash flow a share for, uh, per share. Listen, yesterday, uh, CEO uh, Winfrey basically said, um, you know, we're going to change and pivot our strategy to a certain extent from home video broadband, selling that to connectivity, broadband, and wireless. Charter has become wireless, a major wireless, player in wireless. wireless. Um, but that's going to cost more money. Uh, it's going to require higher capital investment. Uh, and so they invest incrementally in three areas, network evolution, network expansion, and go-to-market customer experience systems, and it's more than people had anticipated. And so you're getting a very, well, mixed reviews from the analysts, Jim, but, but take us negative down. reviews take us down. from investors who would not. And how many theme parks does Charter have? I haven't been to Charter has no theme parks. Harry Potter. They are purely a, a connectivity company. Band. Stock had been creeping up lately, along with our own parent company, Comcast, which actually had been doing quite well. Right. Carl had mentioned a couple of positive comments. But it's getting carried down today. I, the only news I see is Charter, so I don't believe this it's Comcast kind of specific. Comcast has so much more going for it, but that wireless, the wireless, they keep coming back to the wireless, and it's hard to get around. Yep. Yep. So that ramped, that ramped um, guidance uh, for 23, 10.5 billion and 10.8 billion in capex, uh, is really what does seem to be pressuring those shares, guys. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, Mr. Winfrey setting sort of a new strategy with increased capex that, again, at least investors had not been anticipating that, that high a number. But Comcast hasn't been buying back that much stock. No, one of the key arguments chest. for Comcast has been that uh, it, because it is unlevered, at least versus many of right. its peers, that, that there is an opportunity to buy back more stock uh, if Mr. Roberts, Brian Roberts, doesn't pursue some sort of other um, and what would Lena Khan allow of, you know, him to deal. the head of the FTC? I find that like and that she might reject, you know, a merger with Dole Pineapple. I mean, I, I, there, yeah. I, there, yeah. I honestly, I mean, you know, Comcast gets together with Kansas City Southern, blocked by her, and they go to. I'm not. No, I'm being very. I'm being facetious, but let me just say that everybody's in a box who has capital and wants to buy. It's and true. the box is that they're going to shoot down, I believe, uh, Kroger. Uh, Listen, I mean, when I interviewed Malone a few weeks ago, he said, hey, Comcast and Charter getting together. Don't don't rule it out. I'm like, I think I can rule that out, John. <laughs> well, no, you can't. You never know. Well, so, so, well, yeah, because you have 19, in 2024, you have new elections. That's why you can't rule it out. Exactly. No, but no, but that's what, there are a lot of people I've been talking to say, just wait till 2024. I said, can we get through 2023 before we get to 2024? And, and, and I posted that question, and they're like, they think I'm a short-term thinker. <laughs> Only thinking uh, 24 months ahead. I mean, ahead. you know, I have this investment meeting tomorrow and with Jeff Marks, and we often think, we like to think of ourselves as 6 to 12 months, but the really big thinkers are thinking out hundreds of years. Masa. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah, hundreds. Yeah, that, that's going real well for him. Mm. Yeah, that's short-term, well. Masa. In short term, we'll all be dead. Long term, we're fine. Long term, we all go to heaven. Why did some of the Redstones say in the most unbelievable book I'm reading ever, Jim Stewart's new book, 
Well, it's not available to anybody <laughs> other than you. Gally's, so I have not about, read Jim Stewart's book yet. He talks about his poor yet. behavior and he's questioning because I'm going to hell anyway. What's the, part, what's the matter? Sumner did That's seem to think he might live forever. I mean, no, no, I'll never forget book, when he said, this book, David, I really, out, I really like you and I will be at your funeral. I promise. It's like, oh thanks, God, Sumner. He, really he always that? said that to me. Yeah, absolutely. Did he really? He did. He was wrong. <laughs> yes. 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 But I will tell you, the book is not out yet. I, my wife would say, what are you doing? It's 1230. Turn the light off. I said, no. Can't. This is it. Wow. This is the book that we've all been waiting for. Sumner doesn't come out as well as he might have wanted. Fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, much shorter term, uh, Delta's guidance for Q4 is pretty interesting. Uh, sees revenue up 7 to 8, prior 5 to 9. EPS 135 to 140, prior 1 to 125. JetBlue? What did that say? Yeah. JetBlue was, I mean, well, they have some flawed problems, but JetBlue set us all, I think, look, Delta again should be probably higher, but the market's problematic out of the Fed. But JetBlue, no. Delta, yes. Bastion, oh, he's a bastion of, of, of strength, Bastion. He was on Squawk this morning, talked about fantastic. next Bastion, year yep. relative to this past year. Take a listen. I'm thrilled to say, while 22 was a crazy year, that we hit our first year targets. Our profitability targets, in fact, slightly ahead of plan on that. Our cash flow targets, uh, we will be the most profitable airline in the industry. $2.6 billion of profit this year. And we're going to be doubling next year, our EPS that we earned this year into next year, which is already in, in accordance with plan. So we have a very healthy outlook. Well, it was Phil. You know, like, you know Phil LeBeau asks every tough question. And I keep thinking that Bastion's going to have an answer that's not what I want. It's just box check, box check, box check. Well, I mean, I, I've never really been a big fan of the airlines, in part because of, like, what happened in the pandemic. But I am a big fan of Bastion. He is the, he's the man. He is the man. Well, you've been talking a lot about uh, companies where headwinds, in this case oil prices, turn into tailwinds, at least from a margin perspective. But this is a great example of yeah. why I'm bullish on 2023. Here you have a terrific executive. Everything's going his way. Now, there was a downgrade of Marriott today, which people question travel. But I just think that you had that plane order yesterday from United. A hundred planes. You have Bastion saying good things. There is a consumer who is not now. I don't know if the consumer has to cancel all, his, all of his rings before a pal lets up, but I don't think so. I'm saying health. There's health in an industry that does matter. There's health in the rails. The rails are doing well. Not a lot of health yet in FedEx and UPS. That could be related to uh, to how the holidays are going. Well, how are the holidays going? We haven't really. Mixed. You don't really hear a lot about. Mixed. It's very mixed. Robust. Yeah. No, it's mixed. You know, All right. Does that point to the strength or lack thereof of the consumer right I now? Should that be a concern or not? beleaguered by the fact that every time you turn TV on, there's someone who says you better hunker down. There's a recession. I mean, most of the people I talk to believe they should hunker down because there's a recession. They're saving more. They're spending less. They're not taking the vacations you thought they'd be taking. They're doing things that are more conservative. That's why I was upset. That's why I love the Brian Moynihan interview with Sarah, because Brian was just saying, look, it is business as usual. Um, but other people, I think, have frightened us and frightened us to the point where we're not taking the vacations we thought we were going to take and we're not spending. And it's a it's a another way. It's an Etsy Christmas Hanukkah at our mm-hmm. house. Etsy. Remember, Chuck Robbins, I think, was one of the earliest to say we're in danger of talking ourselves into. I think Chuck is dead. Right. I mean, Ch- Chuck was I was out to dinner with Chuck 
and I, you know, I didn't order the appetizer. <laughs> Is that what you do for the coming recession? You cut back on cut back I, on the I order the appetizer. Because the bill comes. And these wines. Hey, there's this 1858. It's done by the son of Camus for 30 bucks. Every, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not buying the $60 bottle. I'm buying the 30 There's not been a person who's known the difference. Um, will you send me the name of that? I'd like to 1858. Yeah, they have it at, at, uh, at total. Okay. You have to totals. Total Wine, as big a $5.5 billion company. But I'm not kidding. I think that when you hear, I don't want to pick too much on Jamie Dimon because he's a great banker. But you know, you hear people immediately pick up on this. Yeah. And, and you and were on afraid. this last week. I mean, it's not just Jamie, it's David Solomon. Jeff Bezos. James, it's Jeff Bezos. Is it's, it's, did David, how many did David Solomon lay off today? It, today's not a, today's a, the, the day of the seventh day rest. Right. No, no, David, these people scare you. I mean, I, I, I talk again, about it. we come back to it. They're seeing data sets that they're not just out. You really think that they're doing it purposefully to scare people? No. What I'm saying is they think that the money's run out finally from the pandemic, uh, that there's finally a notion that the credit card debit is, that's going up, that they're looking at the mortgages and realizing that people can't really, I know there was an upgrade today, a bunch of house, home companies, but people can't afford the new homes. And they're saying, listen, it's, it's not as halcyon time, Jim. Like I'll say, I see good things, and and they almost always try to talk me out of saying good things. All right. You're right about uh, Barclays, Upslinar to overweight. They go to 116 from 85. They uh, upgrade Pulte to overweight. They go to 58 from 45. Well, they got a gun to their head on that Lenore, right? I mean, so that Lenore uh, reports. Ten month high yesterday. They report after the close today, so. It does have one of the best charts in the book. I know David, I always refer to the charts with David. He has no interest whatsoever in that. But I do think that Lenar, that is, why would you do that? Unless you really felt great conviction that Stuart Miller, the executive chairman who starts the conference call and gives you the overview of the industry, gives you that he's going to say positive things. Do you ever listen to him? He's so good. You well, you've, you've mentioned his calls a few times, so I have, just, read, I have just, read his There are conference yes. calls that must be read. And he started, it'll take it, it'll take you three minutes. You know, like you, in the Wall Street Journal says two minute read, uh, three minute read, Stuart Miller. Is that, is that your best soft landing chart right there? There it is. Right there. Lenar? That's a soft landing. That is a company that's going to do, do fine. There's not a lot of new homes being built. Mortgages are high, but if you listen to Toll Brothers, what, uh, what a quarter of them paid full cash. It's, it's funny, you know, uh, Yardeni argues that we've, uh, we've deflated crypto, His memes, SPACs. And bonds. That deflation piece was very strong. And, and yet, 60/40 is down 15 percent for the year. I read that piece, and at first I was skeptical of deflation. But yeah, do you know that that non the non fungibles are down 99 percent? David, the fungibles must be minus one. Your tweets on this has been, have been hilarious. Yeah, well, that's because we have a fantastic comedian who also mics us up and does things. And and he was the one who told me. He says, "Listen, that's how he started his act. I thought it was fantastic." He said, "Hey." Did you know the non-fungibles were doing bad? I didn't even know what fungible was. <laughs> there, hi. Fungibles are even worse. There he is. Yes. Look, that was a great line. Where are you appearing this week? He's off camera. Nobody can see oh. him. He's where? Yeah. Bill, our great the stage manager. is hilarious. Yes. I mean, he gave me that joke. I have now used it four times. Everybody said it's fantastic. I felt a little guilty. I stole it. Took me a while. From, I finally I got from, it. I stole it from Stretch. I got a laugh out of it this time. I said it three times before you. I know like you it. did. Well, it's all about the delivery. <laughs> it's a timing. It was a Danny Thomas thing. You did a spit take. People don't even realize. You don't <laughs> even know what a spit take is. Yes, I do. 
Dow's up 70 as we await the Fed. Let's get to Bob Bassani this morning. Morning, Bob. Morning, Carl. Uh, flattish open as we uh, await what the Fed has to say, but we do see some groups moving here. Energy's rallying again today. Remember, oil was $70 a week ago. We're at 77 almost on oil, so energy stocks are moving up again. Industrial's getting a boost. The airlines are up. The railroads, the transports are up. Uh, you guys have been covering uh, what was going on there with Delta kind of going against what JetBlue was saying yesterday. Here's metals and mining. This was a huge trade a couple of weeks ago. The China play is kind of played out here. That was a big, big mover, and it's essentially stopped going up now. Semiconductors broke out intraday yesterday, and they're on an uptrend right now, although they ended slightly to the downside. There's ARK Innovation, which has essentially been flattish for the last uh, month or so. So not a lot of big, strong trends here. Uh, one thing very interesting on the S&P 500, we keep going right Right up against 4,100 and failing. The reason that's important is if you break over 4,100, that's a year chart, you break the downtrend, essentially, uh, that we have been in all throughout the year, lower lows, lower highs, and that would be big. We can't do it. Why can't we do it? Well, because everybody, David was talking about, this is really gloomy about 2023, particularly the strategists. The strategists are the top-down people who analyze the stock market in terms of how the macro economy is doing. Analysts, which are bottoms-up guys, they do individual companies, they're very bullish still, up 5% is their estimates for 2023 for the S&P 500, but they're always usually more optimistic than the strategists. The strategists now expect a mild earnings recession. Look at that. The strategists, I'm talking about the 20 or so that really matter, expecting earnings to be down about 6.5% as a group uh, for 2023, and this has been coming down for several weeks now. Uh, not only is that coming down, but if you look at the price targets, I looked at 17 top strategists. The average price target for the end of 2023 right now is 4,000. Hey, guess what, folks? We're at 4,000. Essentially, most of the strategists are anticipating no gains next year. So think about this. Earnings decline about 6%, no big gains at all in prices. That's what you call an earnings recession. Now, 6% decline is a mild earnings recession. In a serious earnings recession, you could be down 20% or more. But essentially what I'm telling you is strategists on the street are expecting next year to be flat to down with earnings slightly to the downside. And I think that's probably pretty much where the consensus is right now. So the risk here definitely is to the upside. If we get anything less than a, a, a mild recession, if we get a soft landing, the market's definitely going to be higher. We'll keep an eye on that. Finally, uh, we've been talking about Gary Gensler and his big agendas all year. He's got a big one coming up today. No, it's not on FTX. Uh, he's going to finally float his proposals on payment for order flow. So essentially, remember, he's been very unhappy about payment for order flow. Uh, this is the process whereby the brokers like Schwab and E-Trade, Robinhood, they route orders to electronic market makers. Uh, who pay for access to that order flow. Gensler's been very unhappy with that. He says payment for order flow may not be given investors the best prices. He's proposing and uh, potentially an auction process that's out there that might have to be done ahead of payment for order flow that he says might be a lot fairer. This is very controversial. He's got other proposals that are being uh, floated. What's interesting and rather ironic here, guys, uh, is that the companies that were at most at the center of all of this have ironically, not done very well at all. We've sort of moved on. Remember GameStop? Oh, yeah. 
GameStop was 21 yesterday. Uh, that is uh, the lowest level since going back many, many months and essentially is very close to a two-year low. So essentially almost everybody, not everybody, almost everybody who bought this in the last two years has lost money, is underwater at this point, I should say. And Robinhood, the other one at the center of all of this payment for water flow, also down about 45% or so a year. So, Carl, essentially what's happened is the world's moved on. There's not so much obsession about GameStop and what happened back then. There's more obsession about Sam Bankman-Fried, but still these proposals are being floated today. I'll follow that, let you know what happens. Yeah, Carl, back to you. Can't lose sight of it. Thanks, Bob. All right. Uh, Bob Pisani. Quick reminder here, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. He mentioned a couple of moments ago. You can sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club, or you can use the QR code on your screen. We'll check bonds on our way out here uh, before a short break. Uh, most of the curve a little bit lower today in terms of yield. Dollar still sub 104. Uh, watching this uh, commensurate spike in oil as well. Back in a minute. Watch shares of SoFi today, not quite to yesterday's intraday high, but awfully close. Uh, Anthony Noto buys uh, almost $5 million a common, 1.1 million shares between Friday and yesterday. Go Army. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that. As we got uh, early session highs, Dow's up 142. Stop trading with Jim is next. Jim, what's on that tonight? Right, be a, a invest, investors call us in, call in on lightning round. Someone called it a super microcomputer, SMCI. I did not know it. This seems like a very inexpensive stock. We're going to take a hard look at it. Then tomorrow we got our investor club meeting, and uh, you never know what we're going to recommend. But we have something. You do? Yes. Okay. It makes money. It does things. That's what we've been looking for. Very nice. We'll see you tonight, Jim. Obviously a busy day ahead. Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. When we come back, Evercore Senior Chairman Roger Altman is with us as Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 